Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If you ever decided to have more than one baby, you would have had your reasons, of course. One of mine was that I wanted my daughter to have a sibling, someone to share the experience of childhood, to whisper secrets, and even to band together against us, their parents. Children need an ally. The reality, of course, isn't as idyllic as we'd like. Sibling rivalry is a real and present experience for most parents. Genevieve Muir is an obstetrics social worker, parenting educator, and mum of four. I figure she would have some insights on sibling rivalry. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hi, Chef. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, is it inevitable that siblings will fight? Because I swear to you, I have seen some, you know, mainly sisters, <laughs> little girls, who seem to behave so sweetly with each other. No, they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Parents are hiding it. Look, absolutely. I think that one of the biggest things to know, and I don't know that everyone turns up to the school gate and talks openly about how much their kids fought on the way there, but kids do fight with each other. Siblings do fight. It's how they learn about power and negotiation, and it's a positive thing, um, except when it's not and it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I admit that some, I just try to put that lens on it because um, it can start as soon as they're able to communicate, can't it? Like I think about my son was probably still a toddler and not necessarily speaking, and yet he and his sister managed to have little squabbles over things like toys, etc. I mean, is it is it really this instinctual thing that happens as soon as they're aware of another human in their vicinity? Yeah, I think that a lot of sibling fighting is actually about as parents and so from the minute a new baby comes along we know that for our older kids it's a huge transition and a huge adjustment and so sometimes some of that initial fighting you know it, it, like you say it can be as young as seven or eight months you've got an older child you know the little baby reaches for the blocks or the lego and the older child pushes them over and it's on you know and we're just thinking oh my goodness this is terrible we think it's about them but often it's about them trying to connect with us. So it's a really confusing thing, but often our kids will fight and it's actually more about seeking out that connection with the parent that's in the room than each other. Now, that can be a really tricky thing when you've got a toddler and a baby. Have you got any suggestions for how parents can give the right amount of connection to each child when it feels like, you know, it's just all on and you're trying to get, you know, you're trying to keep them alive. So how how do you manage that when you're, you've are you got more than one child? Yeah, look, be kind to yourself. There's no perfect way to parent, but there's definitely no perfect way to parent more than one child. It just becomes sort of an impossible ask. But I think being aware that particularly whoever the the protagonist is or the child that maybe is doing the stuff that you see, the physical, the punching, <laughs> um, kind of knowing that when we come into the sorting out of that situation, just say a hit has happened or a snatch has happened, um, it's coming into that really kind of curious and open. And that's really hard because it's very triggering when your four-year-old 
hits your two-year-old, it is one of the hardest things as a parent. We worry that we're raising a child that will never contain themselves and it's going to hurt their relationship. We kind of get quite caught up in it. And if we can come in a little bit calmer and curious and open, like, okay, I've walked into a room, one of you's crying and the other one's looking worried. I'm wondering what happened to you guys? Can you tell me more about it? And then we might start to comfort the child that's clearly been knocked over. And say, I'm going to check on her. I wonder if she's okay. I'm going to check on her. Do you want to check on her with me? And then maybe you can tell me what happened. Because often the thing is our second-borns, they often play more of a role in uh, kicking off some of the, the squabbles <laughs> than we realise. Yes. Um, they come into this world and they work out, like I've, I've worked with a lot of parents this week and the one-year-old has worked out, if I knock over his tower, he punches me and then mum or dad comes over and I get a big cuddle. I get all this connection. And it's it's not it's not a manipulative thing. It's just that our kids are wired to just seek us out in that way. So kind of knowing that there often is a bit of a story and it, it can sound crazy, but providing empathy to the hitter to the child that did the wrong thing because we know that kids do well when they can it never feels good when we lose it and often it's like I tried to control myself but my, my little brother just knocked over my my amazing lego structure and I'm so distressed and I know I'm not supposed to hit but in that moment at three or four I can't hold those two thoughts in my head at once and it happened and so in some ways the more empathy we can provide our kids are more likely to stay in a regulated state. A kid who's more regulated can learn. So we've got the capacity to coach them in that moment and say, oh, what could we have done different? If we yell in that moment, which, yeah, we've all done it, let's be honest, um, our kids go into an unregulated state and they're not able to learn. So they can't hear us. So we can be saying, don't hit, don't hit, but they're just not able to take that on board. And so it will happen again. Uh, let's talk about older kids. I'm not sure what your kids fight about, but mine. <laughs> what mine, do you mean? My kids don't fight. <laughs> they don't fight? Never. <laughs> Poor boys. Never. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, mine are currently in a mortal battle over who gets to sit in the front seat, which is so much more complicated than anyone could possibly imagine because <laughs> sometimes their father picks them up, sometimes it's me, sometimes they go to the shops or to a swimming lesson and, and it, it's very hard to keep track of. The issues can seem very trivial, but what's going on in that moment? I guess it's about fairness, isn't it? It's um, our kids are sort of as they get older, they're just wired to kind of want to make things fair. And I guess it's fun sitting in the front seat as well, <laughs> closer yes. to mum and dad, you feel like the more important person. And so, yeah, they're getting into this sort of habit of squabbling. And I hate to say it, Chef, I don't think there's much you can do about this. <laughs> you know, I think in my house, um, one of the things I do is I've got some ground rules. Like we don't you know, hit, we, you know, I don't want them to hit, I don't want them to call each other names or kind of use really sort of shaming language. And aside from that, they're allowed to fight. So in some ways, it's as parents learning how to actually, as annoying as fighting is, step out of the middle of it. And as long as we've modelled that ability to stop when we hit a limit and, and kind of not hit or hurt and check on another person when they're upset, they should start to sort of start working these things out for themselves. But it won't mean that there's no fighting. I think it's important to know that some of that conflict and negotiation over the front seat is how they grow up to become, you know, successful people that can negotiate <laughs> and set boundaries. So it's kind of how they learn. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm going to remember that tomorrow morning. Um, (laughs) How can we respond when our kids challenge us and say that, you know, we're favouring the other child while we're settling a dispute? So we might be very aware, like you mentioned earlier, we come into the room, we don't know what's going on, but maybe it's very clear that someone has crossed a line. And then that child, usually the eldest one, says you're favouring the youngest. How do you respond to that? I mean, most parents try very hard not to favour any child. Yeah, um, that's an awesome question. And my answer is always that we try to hear and be with the emotional need that's in front of us. So if my child is saying you're favouring the other child, what we want to say as parents is, no, I'm not, I love you the same and I'm just going to make this better one of the best ways to meet that need is to sit in it and say, oh, gosh, that sounds really hard. You feel like I'm favouring your brother. Tell me more. And we just stop and we just allow that. It's super uncomfortable for us because we always want to make it okay for our kids and we don't want them to think that we have favoured the brother. But actually, if we can stop and say, wow, that sounds really hard for you, often with our kids, no matter what it is, they just need to be seen and heard. And then they can move on. And it's the same as us, but, uh, yeah, it's easy to miss and it's easy to want to make it better. So what if you do that and then they start pointing out all these things that are patently not true? Can you tell I've had this discussion before? (laughs) I Um, feel like we're talking about your family. (laughs) Well, life is content, as they say, Jen. Um, If they say, oh, well, you did this with them and you did that with them, if our job is to listen and acknowledge, do we have to let that sit or can we actually challenge their ideas of what they perceive? I would try letting it sit. I would try going, wow, yeah, it's, you know, I, yeah, I can see how that seems like that. And once they've been heard, so it's the same as the toddler tantrum, right? Once they've been heard, even if that doesn't sit in your reality as, as kind of how you say it, once they've had that out and they've been heard and you can say, that sounds really hard, you're feeling like, you might repeat that bit of active listening, you're feeling like I'm favouring your brother and you've got all these examples of how he's had a better deal than you. It's really tough. And you might not try to fix it or solve it. And then you might in another conversation go, you know, I've been thinking about that. And you might challenge some of those ideas And, you know, there's an idea of talking to our kids about sometimes the story that we tell ourselves is like we only see one thing and then there's another way to think about that. I'm wondering about all these things that that I've done with you that, you know, you get because you're an older child and how can we, you know, you you can coach later, but you certainly can't coach while they're in that emotional state. Because that's one thing, isn't it, that fairness or a sense of fairness, it can be really hard to keep that line as a parent because sometimes it's just impossible to give each child exactly the same amount of attention, jelly beans, (laughs) ice creams. I mean, we can try, but there are going to be times when it's not fair. Do you have any response to that when it just gets to the point where you're like, you know what, I've done my best? This is what fairness looks like today and fairness is going to look differently tomorrow. I don't know. How do you handle it? Yeah. Look, I think it's probably really individual in different houses. Um, I certainly don't shoot for fair in my house. And so my kids know from a really young, I don't try to even things up because it's impossible. So they know there are days that it's just, it's child three's day, (laughs) it's child one's day. 
and they might even voice discomfort about that and I might say yeah that's really tough he got a lolly bag because he went to a party and I know you would have liked one and that's really hard for you so it's always about allowing the emotion while sticking with the fact I'm not going to try and even this up because I could basically make that my life's work and still never make you feel like it's fair so welcome the emotion get on with your life oh I love that what a good <laughs> strong place to end the interview Jen thank you so much for your time today pleasure that's Genevieve Muir. She's an obstetric social worker and parenting educator. She has her own website. If you head to the notes in this episode, you'll find the links. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.